0: You're listening to the Touch of Flavor podcast, episode 70.
1: You're talking about putting your fuck parts in my head where my brain lives. You know, in nature, only a handful of creatures made for life. But isn't that, like, cheating? We can't do this 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Why not? The safety word is Banana.
0: It is so refreshing to be with someone who likes to fuck outside the box. This
1: is the Touch of Flavor podcast. Dating and relationship advice by kinksters for kinksters. Join us as we tackle BDSM, sex, non-monogamy, and how
0: to build extraordinary relationships in an ordinary world. And now your hosts, Cassie and Rigel.
1: Hello, 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 folks. We're bringing you another podcast where it's a little late night, later night. It's not not too late. Well, it's only like 11. It's
0: like 11. It's I just mean, later than we
1: usually record.
0: Yeah, we usually record in the morning.
1: I'm drinking wine instead of coffee. That's a different, uh, it's different. I'm drinking sangria, actually. It's fantastic.
0: Yeah, we have a friend who makes amazing sangria, and uh, they happen to bring some up during Memorial Day, so we still have a little bit
1: of that. It's yes. Delicious. So it's, yeah. It's pretty, pretty damn good. So uh, what's been going on?
0: So we've been spending a lot of triad time on the weekends, doing activities, things like that.
1: Climbing. No, hiking. Then climbing on a hike.
0: When you shouldn't be without equipment.
1: It was still fun. Shouldn't have done it. Didn't it's go that scary. high. And yeah, no, we've been. it's been good. And we went to see Coheed. That was actually really...
0: Awesome. They were amazing. Surprisingly
1: good. Yes. I haven't seen a lot of live music. I know that's not the case for you.
0: Yeah. So one of the things me and my father did when I was younger was he took me to a lot of rock concerts. My dad was the cool dad and I've gotten to see a ton of bands live. And so my endorsement is a big endorsement because I've seen hundreds of bands and I have to say, Kooheed was one of the best bands I've seen perform live. Like their performance was just amazing, and they really got the crowd involved, and the energy was good, and it was awesome. My ears were also funky for like two days afterwards. Oh my
1: god, I forgot about that. My ears still, you know, I've got archer in my head, like tinnitus. You are a girl mistress. Like I've got, I've actually got tinnitus from like I've got hearing injury from like how I spent my my early years, and uh, too many too many things going boom yeah no no we were really close to the speakers that was uh, that was actually painful like if we're ever sitting that if we ever go out again i'm gonna have to bring earplugs if i'm sitting that close that actually hurt and i couldn't my ears still ringing more than normal but it was worth it it was pretty damn good
0: yeah for me i'm used to going to concerts and so for coheed we had some pretty close seats we got seats a couple days before so we were actually able to get discount tickets for like the third row back which was awesome and with going to concerts in the past, I knew if I was really close, I had to have some earplugs in. And for some reason, that did not occur to me when we bought tickets, nor when we got there. But about 10 minutes into the concert, I was like, oh, yeah, this is right. I'm not going to have hearing. So my hearing was a little goofy for a couple of days, but it was incredible. It was awesome. So if you guys have never heard of Coheed, I encourage you guys to check them out. We're not getting any kind of like bump back for that or anything. Well, it's I mean, just... Coheed,
1: if you're listening to this.
0: <laughs> yeah. But uh, they really are an awesome band. Very unique. Their own little style.
1: Yeah. And you got a Twitter and now you're already arguing with people on Twitter. So that didn't take long.
0: Yeah. So that happened too. <laughs> I got a Twitter argue with people. So and that's that's been about everything. Just getting out a lot. We went to uh, Gettysburg Pride and stuff. So we've been doing our thing and getting out i'm glad it's summertime again
1: yeah so events uh we are teaching at dark odyssey which is now coming up in what just like two weeks Mm -hmm. yeah dark odyssey is a fantastic event we don't have any deals with them to say that we don't get anything from it but uh it's 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 an excellent event as you said it's an event we would go to uh, yeah
0: even if we weren't presenting yeah
1: Yeah. um it's 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 a Pretty damn good event. So uh, it's a lot of fun. Uh, If you guys are around the Marylandish area or even not, I know people travel from all over for that. But you should come out. If you're there, you should come see us. We'd love to meet you guys in person. We're teaching
0: four classes.
1: Yeah. So it's cohabiting without hating your partners, making open relationships work. I'm teaching a grapple class. And then there's one more, Polyamory and Power Exchange. Yes. So, yeah. So it's going to be a lot of fun. So uh, definitely something to check out. I can put a link in the show notes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Why not? So without further ado, is that it? Anything else? No, that's it. Nothing? Nothing in the short term? I need to get laid.
0: That's pretty short term. I need that.
1: So I guess whoever's listening to the podcast.
0: No, that was directed at you.
1: Oh, I was like, you know, some of our partners listen to the podcast. Or them. Although, I mean, it's also not going out.
0: Short term. Yeah. So. Short-term, long-term, I always need to get laid. It's fine. But let's hop into our topic.
1: All right. What is our topic? Because our topic is not as uh, lighthearted as you getting laid.
0: It's not. That's why I was procrastinating with our pre-show chat. Our topic today is breakups. And this is not something that we spend a lot of time on. Here at Touch of Flavor, we... I I
1: was going to say, or it is. It really depends on how you look at it. But we spend more time on preventing the breakups.
0: (laughs) Yes. We do. So, you know, we, we recognize that our relationships are one of the most important things in our lives. And we really spend all of our time. I mean, my, my full-time job coaching is helping folks with their relationships, helping them to repair the problems they have in their relationship, work through the problems and heal what they've had. So this is kind of a shift direction a little bit
1: it is somewhat you know we say that but the thing is at the end of the day you know we take calls with with people all the time who are you know facing challenges in their relationships and a lot of people you know the conversation is okay here's what you can do here's a plan to move forward but there have been people who we've just gotten on the phone and been like nah like now it's enough of that shit like (laughs)
0: yep and I mean, we're going to go over some of the, the ways to tell if you're ready to break up. But the truth is, is that as much as we endorse, I guess is a good word, trying to salvage good, healthy relationships, a lot of them don't always last. There's a lot of relationships that don't make it. What we're covering today is a couple of things. First, how to tell if you need to break up. That's the first question, right? And we're going to talk about... It's a good to, thing to know before yeah.
1: you figure out how to break up is yeah. if it's, you should. If you should. Yeah. If it's a
0: time to do that. Okay. Um, I like this plan. Yeah. From there, we're going to talk about how to be the breaker upper and do that <laughs> in a in a good way, in a way that is not being a jerk to your partner and also might help you salvage a friendship if you want. Then we're going to kind of hop on over to the uh, if you are the breakup E, and discuss how to handle that situation as well. And then we're going to cover the aftermath. And really the aftermath is going to be covered from everybody's perspective because everybody goes through grieving and we're going to be talking about that. And then we're going to touch on something else, which a lot of things, if you Google or you look around, you're not going to find out information for how do you handle being supportive as a partner if your partner had a breakup. So. This is really, really targeted at you guys for being polyamorous and having specific tools for dealing with your polyamorous relationships. And I'm really excited because I spent a lot of time on this topic.
1: All right, cool. So uh, let's dive in then. Although I have to say that word aftermath is a terrifying word. So all right. (laughs) Why is that a terrifying word? Aftermath, man, that's serious. Like one of those things that like when you get the list of adjectives to use in your blog post, that would come up like aftermath. I don't think that's an adjective though.
0: I think it is a descriptive word for something that is very, very big in a negative way. And a lot of times our relationships are. When we break up. I was going to say, I do mean our breakups, no, not our relationships. No. <laughs> when we break up, even with the best intentions, breakups suck. And we'll talk a little more about that. But breakups do suck when they happen. So I guess let's hop into do you need to break up? Something I will say is I think a lot of folks kind of get themselves in positions where they are not sure if the relationship is something that they want to do or not want to do. So I would like to give our folks some some general guidelines, if you will, for evaluating hey, is this relationship something I should even be in? So the first thing is, are you scared? Now, when I say, are you scared? I'm not talking about like, I am scared to leave because I don't know what the future is going to look like. And oh God, because all of us have that. Every time we have a breakup, we go into that space of like, oh gosh, what's my future going to be like? Especially if it's been a partner that's for a long time. What I'm talking about is, you're worried about how that person is going to react like you are scared that they are going to harm themselves or it's going to they're going to harm you so if you're in a relationship out of fear then that's a relationship you should get out of
1: now i'm confused for a minute so are you saying that you know you should break up when if you were you're scared to break up is that what you're saying
0: yeah so you should get out of a relationship that the only reason why you're there is because you're terrified that either you're going to be harmed or that the person's going to harm themselves. So I'm not leaving because I'm afraid that my girlfriend might kill herself or I'm scared that this person may harm me.
1: Well, I think if you're scared that your partner's going to harm you at all, whether or not that's related to you leaving, that's... Probably about the time. Yes,
0: absolutely. You know, anytime there's physical abuse involved, things like that, that's a time to leave. And if you're scared to leave, reach out to somebody. You can call a crisis hotline. The National Domestic Violence Hotline number is 1-800-799-7233. We'll put a link to them in the show notes. They actually have a way to contact online. So that way, if you don't have the ability to call on a phone, you can talk to them online as well.
1: Hey guys, look, I know, I know there's a lot of discussion uh, lately around what constitutes like a violence in a relationship in terms of like, is it gaslighting? Is it like this kind of verbal stuff? Is it this? And uh, you know, it's, there's a lot of wiggle room in how you're defining a lot of those things, right?
0: And we can debate all day long.
1: Yeah. But the fact of the matter is we all know what physical abuse looks like and if you find yourself in that situation there is no ambiguity there there's no interpreting their motives of well you know maybe when they said that you know they meant to say it this way and it came out this way like that isn't how that goes like if there's physical abuse that's that's the time to pick up the phone and make a call and it's time to get out of there so I just wanted to because different people define violence different ways certainly differently yeah. than I would define violence
0: yeah and I think that's a good point, but at the point where it's physical, you are physically endangered. Don't wait on that. That is not something to wait on. Those things don't tend to get better. They tend to escalate worse and worse. So check out the number. We'll put it in the show notes or reach out via the the online way, but you get yourself out of the situation. And on that note, the rest of the stuff that I'm talking about in this podcast is not with the idea that you are dealing with a violent person. When you're dealing with a violent person, there's two ways to handle that. There's two things. Get out, get help, stay away. Like, that's it. That's three. That's three things. But I was merging the last two. But that's it. That's what you do. You don't contact. You don't need to give them any sort of closure by breaking up to them in we person. We have to talk
1: about how to do it in an amicable way. Yeah.
0: Like take care of yourself, remove yourself from that situation and do what you need to do. So with that, the rest of the stuff that we're talking about is not with that in
1: mind. I'll throw one more thing in there too, right? Like when you're talking about physical abuse, guys, I know that law enforcement historically, I'm saying historically, I mean, like years ago had kind of a... A shoddy rep for dealing with domestic violence cases. I can tell you that that attitude has changed rather dramatically because you know law enforcement would go out to a place, there somebody would have a split lip, they leave, and then next thing you know, somebody's getting killed for calling the police. So most most police departments now take domestic violence incredibly seriously. So if you need to call the police, call the police. Right.
0: And if you're concerned because maybe you're kinky or you're poly and you're concerned that these things might come up as excuses or reasons, contact the NCSF. They'll talk with the police departments with you. They're a really good resource for sort of fielding that uh, particular situation.
1: And I'll say that, but if you're in like immediate danger, call the police first and worry about getting the NCSF involved. I'm a huge fan of the NCSF, but That's if you're not like, what I imminent, was saying. yeah, that was
0: not what I was saying. What I was saying is, is that call the police. And if you're in a situation where you're answering questions and you're feeling overwhelmed or you're questioning calling the police now when you need to, because you're fearful of having to do that stuff, call the police, handle the situation and then reach out to the NCSF.
1: All right. So let us part ways on that part ways on that. I think we should take just a second and talk about, you know, what if I'm, they're not violent, but I'm fearful that they're going to harm themselves.
0: Yeah. So the first thing to recognize is this is a hard situation because you may still care about your ex, right? You may still care about that person, even if you don't want to be with them. But this is one of those situations that If you're unhappy, you can't stay in relationship prison for someone else. So using the rest of the steps that we're going to talk to about not being an asshole to breaking up, obviously use them, but there's a couple of things that you can do. First, if you have a trusted mutual friend or somebody like that who you can go to and say, hey, I'm thinking about breaking up with Bob, we'll just say Bob. And I'm concerned that Bob is, you know, not going to be in a good place. You don't even have to stress that you're thinking that they might kill themselves or something like that. But, you know, in a serious fashion saying, hey, you know, I'm really, really concerned. Can you keep an eye out on Bob for a couple of days? So reaching out to somebody else who is going to be able to gauge some of those emotions, some of those things, keep an eye on Bob isn't a bad thing. So having somebody that's a trusted person. Now don't go and tell this to somebody who is a family member who's going to overreact because you're not sure about Bob's thing or a family member who is waiting for Bob to have a problem so that way they can use it against them or things like that. Find somebody who is a trusted family member. And the second is, and we'll talk a little bit more about transitions and relationships, but this might be a situation where having that relationship sort of have a slower transition out of it might be helpful. You know, telling your partner, you know, I am planning on us not being together, but let's take some steps slowly to separate and stick to that, stick to your boundaries, but having a little bit of a slower de-escalation to the breakup.
1: All right. So we kind of, hopped a little bit we kind of got a little more into how for the you know from from the but so let's let's dive back into all right so uh, when to yeah how do you know when it's time to break up with somebody
0: I think the big thing that a lot of folks kind of overlook is if one person is invested in a relationship and another person isn't like we always talk about the other things to kind of look at like oh compatibility things like that but we don't look at if, you know, say I am way more into this than you are. It's it's normal for our relationships to seesaw or for me to care a little bit more than you do or me to be a little bit more out the door than you are, that sort of thing. But if it is a constant imbalance of commitment, desire to be there, it's probably a time to talk about separating from that relationship.
1: Yeah, I don't I don't know if I agree that it's if you're don't care as much as your partner. I don't I mean, I, I don't think that's a good way to define it is more so the thing because I think there's always one person who cares more. I, I think it's more just if you don't care about the relationship, like yes. if you're just kind of like might break up. Eh. No, I think that's a good if you're like you might break up and you're kind of like, eh. That, that's probably a good
0: if you have if, you, if you're apathetic to the relationship and the other person is deeply invested in the relationship what next? This is something that you talk about quite often which is doing an injustice to yourself
1: hmm okay I do I'm listening I want to hear you apply it here though
0: So if you are in a relationship and being in that relationship, is something where you know you can't be happy, you're not ever gonna be happy, you're unsatisfied, there's no way for those things to be fulfilled, and you are simply in that relationship to keep that relationship, then you're doing an injustice to yourself. You're basically signing yourself away to an unhappy relationship simply to keep it together. We see this a lot in monogamy, where you have two people who are married And for better or for worse, they stay together and one or both of them are miserable and there isn't a way for them to be happy. If you find yourself in that situation where you know, I'm not saying that you haven't been able to get, but you know there is no way that you're going to be happy with this person and there is no way for you to get your needs met, that's a time to walk away and say, it's better for us both to be happy than for us to be miserable together.
1: All right, let me throw another one in here. What about if you start compromising your values?
0: I would ask what you mean by that.
1: I mean, I can give an easy example.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Values, values might be... I, I can give an easy example. I mean, you take, you take the edge case, but like a polyamorous person who decides to be monogamous to be in a relationship with a monogamous person. But that's not something they're actually okay with. It's just something they're doing. There's an edge case.
0: Yeah, so I think that if you're if there is no compromise, there is no getting to that place. If you are doing something that is making you, your not authentic self. If you're not able to be who you really are, you're not able to get the needs that you really need. And you are.
1: Are we kind of talking about the same thing as compatibility? Is it kind of, we're kind of talking two sides of the same coin here? Yes. Okay.
0: Cause that's my next one is compatibility.
1: Yeah, I feel like it's kind of two sides of the same coin, because if you're compromising on something like that, that's, you're probably just compromising on a place that you're not compatible. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But what I will say is when you said that, something that got me thinking that I don't have in here is if being in that relationship crosses your own boundaries. Something I was thinking about that, that just popped into my head that I hadn't thought about Putting in into this show is actually being in a relationship where you are crossing your own boundaries to be in it, and what so I is that mean, different? Yes, from okay. So, what I mean by that is compatibility is like this is what I need and want in my relationships. Boundaries is this is something I would not do. So, if you find yourself in a situation in a relationship where you are saying, "I would never accept this." For anything or anyone or any place else, but I'm doing it here simply to stay in this relationship. That's definitely a time to question things. I
1: feel like, yeah, again, I feel like that's two sides of the same coin, although now we've got a coin with too many sides, but (laughs) like, so, so first off, I mean, I think just, you have to, you have to be honest that compatibility wise, right? There are some things in relationships that no matter how much you love a person, how much you care about them that you can just have stark rating incompatibilities, like poly people, mono people, right? Like somebody who has to be poly and somebody who has to be mono. And I mean, we do a lot of talking about how that can work, but there there are some people who just
0: they need their partner to be mono.
1: Right. Well,
0: and they're mono and they need their partner to be mono. And they're polyamorous and they need their partners to be polyamorous.
1: Yeah. So I mean that kids, right? Kids are something that there's not a lot of compromising around trying to think of some other, I feel like those are the two super easy, but I mean, it could be a lot of things. It could be where you live. Like you could just be, you know, have somebody who needs to, you know, move to LA and somebody who's absolutely unwilling to live on the West coast. I mean, so there, there are a lot of things that can be be big incompatibilities. And I think the other thing with that, that I think a lot of people don't think about is that's not always like, it's not that that is always necessarily the case, right? Like, We could be compatible now and in five years, there could be a big point that we're now incompatible on. I mean, people change, right? Like You want to when you're you're dating and you're getting into relationships, you want to try and screen people who you know are going to be thoroughly incompatible, but that stuff can develop later as well.
0: The thing to kind of keep an eye out with all of this is it's okay to compromise if you can find good compromise, but if there are things that you just can't compromise on, there is no compromise, and you guys can't get on the same page with some sort of path, some sort of path in your relationship moving forward, that's probably a good time to part ways in an amicable way before you let those incompatibilities fester and create uh, really nastiness between the two of you.
1: And I think that's where you're talking about kind of, you know what I'd say the concept of like doing violence to yourself comes in, right? word violence is getting used a lot tonight, but you know, is, is here's something that I know I'm not okay with doing. I know this is an incompatibility. I know this is not something, um, I feel like a good way to measure it is, is this something I would do? Like I would be willing to do if I wasn't already deeply involved with this person, right? Like I would be willing to make this move. Would I be willing to do this or that? And it's, it's that doing it anyways, like doing something that, you know, you're not okay with, but you know, it's interesting because when you're talking about this compromise, I feel like, that, that gets to be a tricky topic, right? Because on the one hand, I absolutely agree with you. Like, there's some things that you just can't compromise on. And that, you, you know, if you can't compromise on, you shouldn't do. But at the same time, I think when people are in it, there are a lot of things that they haven't been able to come to a compromise on that could be handled, right? Like, and they're just not – they either – uh, either are too far in it to see what the compromise might be, or they don't have the tools to actually communicate and get there. So that gets a little tricky. Like, when is it, how do you know when it's something that you, that is, is just an incompatibility versus something that you just haven't managed to negotiate and compromise on properly yet. And, you know, I don't like the word compromise, you know, I have, uh, have, have, have a friend who says, uh, uh there's no such thing as a compromise. There's only a better deal.
0: I like that better than what other people have said that, you know, compromises, nobody wins. I, I don't, I don't like that. I think that with a compromise, everybody should be winning a little bit, but regardless, you said trying to tell the difference. So it's funny that you say that, because I actually had a client ask me this question um, before they were a client, they had a breakthrough call with us and and they said to me, so I think that maybe we're just incompatible and there's no way to compromise through these things. And I said, well, what makes you think that? And they said, well, we haven't been able to figure it out. And I said, okay, well, I think I can walk you guys through this. I think that we can definitely work through some of these things and find workable solutions for you guys. What was
1: the kind, I mean, you're not using names, so generally what's the kind of things that you're talking Um, about here? I don't even know who you're talking about. so.
0: So she's super poly, has another partner, serious partner, he... Although accepting of the idea of Polly more so had like play partners on the side. They had very different views on time management.
1: Um, that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah. And and just basic stuff like time management and compromises around how much time they spent in the house versus out of the house, even some child rearing stuff, things like that. But just very, very different perspectives on how on what they wanted out of those things and how to how to and they've spent years, years trying to figure this stuff out. And he said to me, well, what makes you think that you can figure this out and help us out with it? How would we even know that it's something that we can figure out?
1: That's the million dollar question.
0: And my answer to them was this. If you can look around and find other people who have been able to figure it out. And it's not like one of those things where it's completely not able to be figured out. Like the kid thing, that's, that's a really hard one. Like when you look up, you know, you Google like, I want a baby and my husband doesn't, like there is not a lot of good information on how to deal with that. It's kind of like suck it up or break up. But if it's things like time management where you can look up stuff and see that other people have worked through this, what that means is that it can be done It means that you just have not found the tools to be able to figure it out. It means that you haven't done everything that you could possibly do to sort through that. So a big thing is, is this one of those things that's a big thing for everybody? Or is this a big thing for you?
1: Hmm, I don't know. That's interesting. I'm trying to decide if I agree with that. Okay. I mean, I think there's things that people could... Like other people could get past it. I couldn't necessarily not get
0: past. There's a difference between getting past and finding a solution. Getting past is how do I get past this and I tolerate this? This is has other people actually been able to find ways to negotiate this particular topic? Example. Like Can
1: you give me an example of what the one versus the other would be?
0: Okay. Google, I want a baby, my husband doesn't. As I told you, there is no information on that. I have Googled this information. There is really none. It's basically like you can suffer as somebody who wants to have a child or you can force your husband to have a child. Uh, There's not
1: really two ways, right? There's there's a kid or there's no kid. There's a kid or there's no kid. Okay.
0: Okay. Look up me and my partner are trying to figure out time management and we're poly. There is a hundred articles. There are a hundred people saying, Oh, this is what we tried. That's what we tried. We did this, we did that. And what I'm saying is if it has been done, it is doable. That doesn't, doesn't necessarily mean, mean
1: it's going to work for you. It doesn't
0: mean that the hundreds of thousands of ways that other people have come up with it is going to work with you. That's why it's important to one have good information, two have good guidance. But that's a different thing. Just
1: gives you it, it's the concept of if it's a solvable.
0: Is this problem. a solvable problem? It
1: doesn't necessarily mean that you and your partner are going to be able to come to a place that where it's going to work for both of you. But it does mean that there is a solution there somewhere. Yeah. There
0: is the potential for a solution there. Because okay. you were saying, how do you know?
1: And then how do you so how do you get from there's a potential solution to know that's something that would work for me, though?
0: Well, from there, it is that is where trial and error come <laughs> in. And we'll talk a little bit more about that as we move along. But the first step is how do you know it's something that's solvable?
1: was okay. the question
0: that you asked, and I'm answering I it. I You specifically did answer it. Yes, this is that true. That question. The other question that you're talking about, I'm going to get to.
1: So we'll put a bit of a pin in that, but at the end of the day, it might be time to break up if you have, like, some serious life things that you're not compatible on, like, just deeply, deeply not compatible. So you're talking, like, polymono, kid stuff, religion...
0: Possible moving, that can be a big one. Yeah. There's, there's people who have I've I've seen where, you know, one person wants to move to Canada, the other person wants to live in Jersey. Like there's uh <laughs>
1: drug and alcohol abuse. <laughs> yes. Um potentially if you're like at the end of your rope with it. So we can we can move on without brainstorming a whole list. I, I'm getting the idea and I hope people are getting the idea. So
0: Yeah. So all right. So those are the, the things to
1: signs be- that you might be time to break up.
0: Yeah, like that that's that those are those are all really good signs. But before you break up, you might want to think about a couple of things. And I'm not trying to discourage you from breaking up with your partner. If you're done, you're done. That's cool. But if you're not sure, these are a couple of things that I want you to kind of take into consideration and think about. So, the first one is, is this really what I want? And and or do I just feel like I can't tackle the resentment, the circular arguments, the issues, the not being able to compromise in my relationship. So do I really want to be out of this relationship or do I just feel like I can't
1: get past these things? See, I'm having fun with this conversation because I get to play devil's advocate. Well, what do you mean by that? It's, but it's more so like, how do you tell the difference? I mean, how do you tell the difference between this is what I really want? I mean, is it being like, I want this bullshit to stop? a valid want for that?
0: I mean, it could be, but I'm, I'm more saying if you're in a situation, and these are the kind of words that you're, you're gonna be using in your own head, right? Is I'm sitting here and I'm like, I'm done. I'm ready to be out of this relationship. I wanna move to California and he's been strapping me down here for a long time. And I am ready to move on with my polyamorous relationships. And he was trying to make me monogamous and I, I am ready. I am ready for this to be over. I am going to be in a better place because this relationship is over, and I'm okay to walk away. I'm actually okay with that, right? So that that that's the yes, I really do want out sort of conversation that you're having with yourself, versus I'm done. I just I don't know how to I don't know how to deal with this anymore. I don't know how to solve these problems. We've had these problems for a long time, and. I love my partner to death. I really do. I, I, I love him or her very much. And I still enjoy
1: time we spend together when we're not down each other's throats. Yeah.
0: Like, you know, when we're not arguing, things are great and we connect on so many things, but God damn it. We're always fighting about this, that, and the other. But when we're not fighting, you know, I remember when we first got together and it was amazing. Those are two different conversations you're having in your head, right? The first one is I'm done. I'm ready to move on. Like, i can i can I can see this in a way of like the other one is more of like a regret headspace, like a I'm regretting the fact that I have to break up, and I don't know I don't know how not to break up at this point, like I am to a point where there is so much that has been going on that regardless as as much as I want to stay here, I don't think I can
1: okay does that make sense? yeah, you're nailing this today. <laughs>
0: I spent, I spent a lot of time brainstorming this stuff. So with those two things, you know, if you are the first one, by all means, you're ready. Like peace out, you know, like <laughs> toodles. But if you're the second one, right? Like there's the rest of the questions to be asking yourself, right? If the first question is I'm just done? Like cool, great. But if it's not that. If it, if it's that second, that second one of It's really, I do want this relationship to work. I just can't
1: deal with it anymore kind of a thing. Yes,
0: I I just can't do it anymore. There's a couple of things to ask yourself. The first thing is the question that we just talked about. Are these things that could possibly be solved, right? If not, then again, that might be time to leave. But I still think that's hard to
1: see from the inside, though. It
0: is. And so if you're in that dreaded, horrible space, right, that... I really do want this to work out, but I just don't see why, you know, why we can't get along, why we can't do this. And I don't know how to get there. If it is a situation where you still want things to work, there could be a solution, could, but you just don't know how to get there yet. You might want to address the approach that you're taking. You might want to look at, have you really done everything? Is there any other options, right? So if that's the situation that you're in, you do actually want to make your relationship work. You've just been stuck in a situation where you haven't been able to find the solutions and you just don't know how to solve the problems that you've been having for so long. It still might not be the time to break up. It might be the time to address a couple of things, which are the next couple of questions that are in these four questions. Okay. So the next is, what have you done to contribute to the problem or the success of your relationship?
1: Nothing, it's all her fault.
0: <laughs> well, if that's your answer, um, most likely that's probably part of the problem. But, <laughs> but seriously, like, ask yourself, like, what have I done to contribute to the problem? And what have I done to contribute to the solution? If I haven't done anything, is there anything that I can do? Like if there's problems in the communication in our relationship, what can I do to work on that? What can I do to help maybe the scheduling problems we're having or this, that, and the other? What part have I played? That's the next question. So if you recognize that maybe you haven't been doing your part, It might be time to put a little focus in on doing some of those things before tapping out and calling a quits. The next one is, uh, what have you and your partner done together to work through these issues? Now that's different. There's the, what have you done on your own? And what have you and your partner implemented and done together as a team to work on these things?
1: This is interesting because it does get into the question of that we get sometimes, which is, can one person change a relationship, right? If the answer is, what have I done? Well, so you've got, what have you done to contribute to the problems? And I'm like, okay, I've done some contributing. And then you have, what have you and your partner done to work through the issues you've been having? Obviously, if you're like, well, my partner's done everything. I haven't done shit. That's a problem. What if I want to know, you know, if my partner's not doing stuff, like, can I fix the relationship?
0: Well, and that's why I put that first, because here's the thing. If you have been doing things and you're starting to implement positive things for positive change and your partner is stone stonewalling you, is not putting in the effort, things like that, that's the time to evaluate, right? But if you yourself have not been putting in the work, then... You should, because a lot of times when we do our own independent things that are positive for our relationships, we bring our partners up.
1: Yeah, this was, this was actually me bleeding this question a little bit because I know the answer, which is we've seen it several times, right? With like, with the coaching program that we do, if we can get the two partners or three partners or wherever the committed group is, that's, that's suffering the most, I suppose, then yeah, definitely like that's the ideal right like everybody's working on a problem everybody's using the same tools like stuff improves as quickly as possible but at the same time we've had people who have come in on their own and have you know sometimes with the partners who are uh, reluctant either because they've pretty much given up or you know maybe they put in a lot of effort before when the partner, no partner who's now interested hasn't and you know fixing stuff hasn't put in and they're, they're kind of tuckered out Or they just don't think, you know, X, Y, and Z is going to work. And, you know, the partner who's doing the work most of the time will pull the relationship up to the level of the new like skills and tools and stuff that they're bringing.
0: Yeah. So the the, the answer to the question is absolutely. And that's why that question is first is what have you done? Because if you haven't done anything, you and your pro- partner probably aren't doing things together as a team.
1: Well, certainly not. I mean, so. if you haven't done anything, you can't be doing things together <laughs> exactly. as a team with your partner.
0: Something I like to tell folks when they ask me about that question, my answer used to be, it's a lot easier to have a horse walk on four legs than it is two, but it'll get there on two. And someone corrected me and said, uh, no, horses get shot. <laughs> um, so I have started changing that and saying it's a lot easier to walk a dog on four legs um then on
1: three you just hedge your bets hedge your bets make it a dog make it three legs <laughs> i don't know a two-legged dog needs one of those little wheelie scooters
0: yeah but you can still get it around sadie bless her
1: soul well she got around without a scooter
0: she got around without a scooter and without legs we we had a dog that uh she passed away last year but she did not have two back she did not have her two back legs but I mean, anyway she did
1: Physically, but not neurologically. (laughs) Anyways, we digress.
0: (laughs) So anyway, my point being, you can move things along. It just being you.
1: Okay. Um, So what are some things that you and your partner might do?
0: So first of all, if you guys have not just, if you haven't actually sat down and actually tried to brainstorm anything, do that. Like if you haven't actually sat down and had a conversation where you're like, these are the problems, these are the issues talk about it first. I got to tell you, I talk to folks all the time who are like, we're ready to break up, things like that. And the first thing they say to me on their call, when they hear their partner say what the problem is, is I didn't know that. I didn't know that was a problem. That was a problem. So if you and your partner haven't discussed these things, sit down and actually discuss them. See if there is something that's easy because it might be. The the next thing is do some research. You know, you're listening to the podcast, check it out. So you know, do some research, look around, try to find some solutions, maybe get involved with your community, see some other, you know, relationships and how other people are doing things. Listen to our podcast. You're here already. Take advantage of it. It's um, so
1: hard to filter out the good advice though.
0: It is. It is hard to filter out good advice, but it's better than doing nothing. This is true. So, you know, it's 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 very hard to scramble between this book or that podcast, this blog, and this, and this
1: Facebook group, and what your poly friends telling you, and
0: yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's that, that's difficult. We talk to people about that all the time. It's hard, but it's better than doing nothing. If you have done nothing, you're going to stay exactly where you're at. Try doing some different things. Give a few things a shot. Who knows, there might be some tiny nugget of advice that might help your relationship. It might not be enough. And and that kind of gets into our last point. But before I get there, it's if you have done nothing, if your truthful answer, if, if I was talking to you today and I said, what have you done for your relationship? And the answer is, well, we might've talked about things a few times. You might wanna consider doing more. You might wanna t- consider spending some time trying to actually bring in new skills, try some new things. And this is usually where a lot of folks who are ready to break up say to me, all right, Cassie, well, we have tried all kinds of things. And maybe you have. Maybe you have read books and and going back to your uh, statement about, you know, trying to piece things together. When you've got a lot going on, that can be really hard. And it can be really hard to be objective about, well, this piece of information isn't helpful or that piece of information isn't helpful. So at that point, you need to ask yourself if you have done everything and if you've done everything that you really need to to save this relationship that you still want. Many times our clients come to us and they say that they've tried everything. I mean, our our clients have gone to therapy, have read books, retreats they've gone on, they've done all kinds of things. And a lot of times they're like, this is, this is, this is our last hope. We're going to give it a try. If you've done all of these things, or even if you haven't, if you haven't done all these things still, <laughs> if you're um, still
1: having this, this, <laughs> you're this far into listening. If you should break up,
0: you're probably, uh, if, if you're this far in and if you're
1: just a fan, cool. But if you're like <laughs> listening, cause you're like, oh, like this seems like this is applying to me.
0: Yeah. Unless you're just sticking around because you really, really do want to break up because we're going to get into stuff like that. But then that doesn't apply to you. But if you still want to be in this relationship and you're still listening to this, what we've done is we have worked with our clients and we've created a system for them as far as how to get their relationships out of the circular arguments. take people
1: on the edge of breaking up and not.
0: Yes. And... (laughs)
1: Be healthy and be happy. And I mean, this is what you do all day, every day. So
0: yeah, that is what I do. So if that's where you're at and you are wanting to not have this relationship break up and it's something that you want to do, reach out. You can book a call with us, hop on, see what we can do. We are honest, guys. I've had plenty of people I've hopped on the phone with and I've said that, hey, you know, this is just not doable. But I encourage you to do that. It might be time to get some extra help, especially if you have been trying for a long time. You've tried a bunch of things and you just haven't been able to find a solution. If you're in that place, you know, we have a system, we have a program that has been proven to help others in the same exact situation that you're in. Get on a call with us. Um, It's an hour, you know, Hop on. We'll be honest with you. If it's not something that we think is salvageable, we'll be honest with you. We'll tell you. We've had plenty of people. We have,
1: and we will give you some advice on how to go Splitsville.
0: Yeah, more, even more detailed and catered to your situation than what we're going to talk about today. But if there is a way to move forward, we'll let you know that, and we'll be able to talk to you on that call and give you a path going forward. So do that. You can go to a touch of flavor dot com forward slash call you got it so you can go ahead and do that we'll put that in the show notes but do that if you're not wanting to break up there's there's no reason that you can't hold out for a day or two hop on a call all right so now we're gonna start kind of more talking about the actual breaking up of breaking up okay and something I think that's important for everybody to note is that our relationships are always a choice right
1: I think a lot of people have a hard time with that if they've been in a relationship for a long time.
0: Yeah, it's, it's a difficult concept.
1: Yeah, so we we actually found a, when we were putting stuff together, we found a quote that we really liked from Dr. Elizabeth Sheff. Um, a lot of you may have heard of. And uh, the quote says, if you're in a relationship or several relationships, then you choose to do that every day, regardless of whether you recognize it or not. You can stay because you consciously make the decision or you can stay just because you're on autopilot. But that's also a choice. I paraphrase the end there a little bit, but...
0: Yeah. So the thing is, is that when you're in a relationship, you should be choosing to be in that relationship.
1: And, and you are choosing, I think, which is kind of the point.
0: Yeah. Like you should, you should recognize that that is a choice to stay or to go. And deciding that a relationship didn't work for you or that you don't want it doesn't automatically mean that you're a failure, right? It, it means that you are embracing sort of the truth that that relationship somehow needs to change. And the cool thing with like polyamory is that we kind of get to choose that a little differently than in monogamy, right? Like we can actually transition our relationship not just to friendships or not just to- Not
1: just to you need not ever talk to the person again.
0: Yeah, which is kind of like in monogamy, there's really only two- those two choices if you break up, right? It's like you can co-parent and be friendly or not talk to the person ever again. And in polyamory, we sort of have this ability to see the end of a relationship as a phase, right? Like we can we can change it into another relationship and maybe that relationship doesn't include things like physical intimacy. Or, or maybe it does. Or maybe it does and not the romantic aspect. Who knows? But- Polyamory does kind of give us a new outlook on
1: that. So, does this mean that we're two? How to break up? Yes. Okay.
0: We are. So, you're at that transition, and you have decided that, however, you're going to do this. Breaking
1: up is. Maybe that's a phrase we should get rid of. I feel like. You can't.
0: You can't because people understand what that means. I think when we start talking, it's not always accurate, though. But it's not. And that actually brings me to my first point in if you've decided to break up, what you need to do. Okay. Which is the first step in breaking up before you even talk to your partner is deciding what kind of breakup is. What are you actually looking for that to look like? Are you looking to cut all the ties like you're chopping things off and you're just done? Or are you looking to transition this relationship into some other kind of romantic relationship or platonic relationship or whatever kind of other relationship? Like you should really give some consideration to if you're just trying to deescalate, like, and what I mean by deescalate is being less involved in this person's life or things like that. Or are you looking for a recategorization of the relationship? And what I mean by that? In Polly, we can look at things this way. And this is a totally Cassie thing. You guys can quote me on this, is that we have a choice of either de-escalation, which is like, okay, we've decided that we're going to be less involved, less interactive with each other, or kind of a re-characterization of the relationship. So maybe we are fantastic at DS, but we really aren't good nesting partners, things like that. It might not be a de-escalation. Like it might not actually be like a becoming less of something else. It might be becoming more of something and deciding that that is a better path. Or maybe we suck at power exchange, but, you know, we're really good nesting partners. and sex is good. Yeah. Or, you know, we're great co-parents and nesting partners and we can do that, but we recognize that maybe our relationship in some other way needs to change.
1: Which makes me think that the word breakup certainly and maybe the word de should be like I don't know, man, moved out of some of the parlance. I, I I don't know, it's an interesting thing. I mean, because I think de-escalation to a certain extent and certainly breakup aren't accurate in a lot of cases, or they don't need to be accurate in a lot of cases where a relationship needs to change. I mean, really the relationship needs to change. That that's the yeah. That's the gist. In rare circumstances, it may need to change by being completely not there, and I think that happens more in relationships where
0: things don't uh, end amicably. Usually, well, yeah, yeah.
1: I was gonna say not even not even relationships that aren't going well now, right? Like I've seen a lot of people. You know, for most people, b- before they decide to make a relationship change, things aren't going particularly well, and I have done personally and seen plenty of other people still turn those around into changing that relationship into something else, and having that be amicable. I was going to say yeah, more when it gets really like the end gets really nasty, like there's abuse, like you know, severe loss of respect, there's breaches of trust or um you know, things along I'm thinking of like John Gottman's four horsemen, you know, <laughs> contempt, criticism, that kind of stuff, like but yeah, so but I think most of the time, if you want, there is the option there to change that relationship into something else. And if I wonder about using words like, first off, I wonder if breakup, we should leave that to the monogamous folks. We should just give them that word.
0: No, I, I think that breakup, especially even in poly, there are relationships. We even had one. There was one. There was one. Out of all of the people that we've dated together, there was one where it is, okay, it's done it's over this is it. So I think having that vocabulary is a good thing. I think that it's a a, a a positive thing.
1: I think it's a good thing, but I think we're misusing it a lot. yes right like I think that's a good thing when you're talking about that kind of situation where you want to completely break contact and break relationship with this person but that's not how we use it a lot of the time. And I feel like deescalate is slightly in the same is is somewhat in the same category like,
0: See, I see them as three different kinds. Okay. I see most poly folks when they talk about de-escalation aren't meaning cutting somebody completely off. They're looking at de-escalation more as a lessening of your relationship or a disentanglement and things like that.
1: That's what I'm saying. Well, I'd I'd argue that disentanglement, de-escalation are different, but... I'm I'm wondering if if we're giving it a negative connotation. Like, I wonder if we're creating like a negative connotation by using that word de-escalation, like, you know, for changes that might affect, like you said, might not actually be, might be changing it, not quote unquote de-escalating it. And that may actually be changing that relationship for the better. I don't know. I'm I'm going, we're going way out of the weeds here.
0: Yeah. But for the purpose of this podcast... Because I think we want to make it simple for All you right, I guys. I think we should,
1: yeah, let's let's take about three We're steps back We're going to take a step back. This We're going to a-
0: still refer to things as breakups. But if I do talk further about de-escalation, I'm talking about de-escalation in the manner of... Um, disentangling, I think. Disentangling. And if I'm talking about recategorization, that is more in a way of, okay, cool. We might still be very much involved in our lives, very much doing things but it's not going to look exactly the way it was for whatever reason.
1: Let's Um, back on track here.
0: (laughs) So the first thing is reevaluate if both of you would benefit from some sort of change in that way. If whether it is a de-escalation or a recategorization of the relationship, if a positive relationship could come out of that because it might not mean that you guys need to break up. So going back to some of our like big, like things like what are some some difficult things to get through? We'll use the kid thing. Maybe you guys decide you're not going to be nesting partners and have children, but you guys could still have a really, really amazing relationship in some other kind of way. Take some time, evaluate that before hopping right into a breakup.
1: I'll throw one more thing out here too, right? A lot of times, especially if it's a relationship that has been, you know, very deep and meaningful and long lasting for you, you may need like a in-between phase here. Like you may need to be like, okay, I'm going to take a step back for, you know, three weeks and I don't really want a lot of contact. And then we'll figure out what this is going to look like going forward.
0: Yeah. So... And even if it is that you are cutting ties or you are just willing to be friends and co-parents, whatever, make that decision before just hopping into the conversation about breaking up. Like consciously do it. Okay. So the next thing is, I just told you to take time, which is important. Think about those things. But don't procrastinate on breaking up with somebody.
1: Once you've made the decision.
0: Once you've made the decision, you know what you're doing. There's not a good reason to like wait for a good enough reason to break up. And what I mean by this is if you already know you're leaving, don't be like, well, I'll give it another month because uh, the kids are coming into town and uh, we're supposed to have Aunt Betty staying over and yeah, we'll just wait until that's over. I mean, don't necessarily break up in the middle of Aunt Betty being at your house, but don't drag this out for a long period of time for bullshit reasons well
1: it's one of those things where if you're done and you're hanging around you're probably just
0: you're you're stirring the pot and things are gonna get worse yeah so don't do that the other thing is is when i say you don't have to have a good enough reason one of the things i see people do don't make one don't make a problem i have seen this happen with friends of mine so i've seen this happen where all right i'm done i'm ready to leave but he hasn't given me or she hasn't given me or they haven't given me a good reason. So now I pick a fight. I pick a problem. We get into a huge giant argument and then I'm like, I'm done. So don't do that because, again, that goes back to that whole creating more, more negativity and things like that that don't have to be there um, that can end up leading to like really nasty stuff. And the truth is, if you're done, nobody has to be at fault It doesn't have to be somebody did the wrong thing or some kind of excuse. So if you're done, it's best to just kind of move on, do the thing, don't drag it out. The longer you do that, the more painful it's going to be. And most of the time, the worse the relationship is going to look like during that time as well. So that being said, think about timing. That's the next thing. Like, don't be a complete dick now. If your girlfriend's family member just died. Like if you figured out at the funeral that you don't want to be with your girlfriend, that's probably not the time to be like, Hey baby, um, it's over. Like, don't be a dick, but like, yeah, like take take things, some things into consideration. If you figured this out on Christmas Eve, it might not be Christmas day that you want to let your partner know that, uh, that's the day that you want to break up. It's probably not a positive thing because their graduation
1: <laughs> huh day they graduate from college
0: yeah any of those things like if it just so happens to be that you figured it out the day or two before that you can tough
1: it out for a day you're gonna make somebody's life sound like a country song
0: yeah just just don't do that it's it's not not cool um i'm not gonna spend too much time there but like any any kind of major events any holidays things like that and you know just
1: don't do that can i add one that gets me like is a pet peeve of mine. Go ahead. Break up in person. Like, there are so many people now who like break up over text or Facebook Messenger or just ghost people or it. Ugh.
0: Yeah. So breaking up in person is a good thing, if you. Think that you can do it in a way where it's not going to be something that is a
1: As long as you're not going to be unsafe safe, doing yeah. it. Yeah.
0: Especially if it's been something like a long-term relationship. If it's somebody that you went out on a date with once or twice, you'll necessarily need to like or at least have pick up in- the
1: phone. I mean <laughs> Yeah.
0: But if 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 you've been with somebody for a decent amount of time, you've you've put that effort in, it's it's a sign of respect, right? Like, especially if this is somebody who's been very much involved in your life for a long period of time. Like just have the respect to do that. And if you have a hard time with these sort of things, like maybe you're not so good with like when you're emotional or angry, sitting down and like having that conversation, prepare yourself, like write something out, gather your thoughts, do that beforehand, but sit down with your partner, chit chat with them. In tell private. Them. In private, yes. And that's that's going to be the second part of this. Like be face-to-face but do it in a private space, or at least it doesn't have to be private, private, but somewhere where you're not going to be sitting right next to somebody else and they're going to be overhearing your conversation. This is a painful thing. Breakups are pain. Even if people are happy about it, it's still painful. Respect your your partner's privacy. It does not anybody else's business, what's going on. And you run the risk of humiliating your your ex-partner that's about to become your ex-partner. And, yeah, just, don't get bystanders involved it's not cool. I actually had a girl that I dated back in high school and we actually didn't date that long and it wasn't actually like a horrible breakup or anything like that, but she felt the need to tell me that she was breaking up with me in the middle of a Chick-fil-A. Um <laughs> and one, choice of venue was awful. Lesbians breaking up in a Chick-fil-A. But two, the guy right next to me overheard the conversation and was like, oh, my God, she just broke up with you. Ha, 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 ha. You just got dumped. Are you serious? Yeah. And as I said, it wasn't like that serious of a relationship or, or even like that big of a hurt because we only been dating for a few weeks. But the embarrassment was more of a factor than even the breakup. So just don't do that. Um, it's a lot less drama and, and bullshit when you don't have other people involved in your stuff, so like sit down, have a private conversation when you're gonna when you're gonna break up. Fair and <laughs> the next thing is when you're actually having this conversation, um, don't point fingers. It doesn't really matter whose fault it is. Like I already said that earlier, but when when we're breaking up with somebody, if you've already made that choice. You don't need to sit out, sit there and point out everything they did wrong. If you're doing that, all you're doing is trying to punish your partner. You've already made the decision to leave. There's no reason for you to sit there and be like, well, you did this thing to me and you didn't do this right and you didn't do that right. It's not helpful. And when you're talking with your partner, well, soon to be ex partner in a minute, um, <laughs> about these things, you also have to remember that this is a person who probably cares about you, probably has feelings. And when you are giving all this stuff, especially at a breakup point, that is what they're going to remember about you, which is going to make any sort of uh, de-escalation into a friendship or something like that. Not easy, because that's going to be stuff that's going to be carried. When you're also having the conversation, it's also helpful like if you can take some of the responsibility. Like if you know that you got tapped out or you got worn out of things or things weren't working for you, say that. Like stick to the like why you're leaving, not the who. So maybe your partner was really really bad at communication and you hated the way that they handled arguments. Being like I don't like the the communication in this relationship. It's not working for me. I'm leaving. Is enough. But being the person who's sitting there saying, well, you did this during arguments and you did that and this and that, that's pointing figures and it's not going to go well. And in the conversation, if you have the ability, or if it's true to you, you know, let your let them know that you're unhappy about the outcome, but that in the relationship you just weren't happy or you were unfulfilled or whatever. Regardless of if it's their fault, right now is not the time to like rub that in.
1: So do you think like, and I don't know if this would be a good place to talk about it or later or like how to deal with like if you are really entwined, how to deal with that stuff. Is that something that we want to touch on at all?
0: Are you saying how to sort through like dividing the shit?
1: Yeah, that would be. No, no. Okay, you I feel sound like pretty that, solid on that. Yes,
0: uh, I gave that some thought, and I feel like that's its own. How do you separate your finances after a breakup episode? But beyond that, that is not something to do the day you're breaking up. So, so guys, this is what I want you to understand. Like, there is a lot of things that you may be thinking about during a breakup, like, oh gosh, you know, who's going to have the kids on the weekends versus the weekdays? Like, how are we separating the money in the banking account? Who's getting the the Honda Odyssey versus the the Civic? Like, there's a lot of questions in how that's going to be handled, especially if you guys were very, very intertwined. But the day you break up, the day that that decision has been made and declared is not the day to sit down and try to hash that out. Neither one of you is going to be in a place to do that.
1: Okay, that makes sense. So we'll leave that. I will say, guys, there are people who like that's what they do. So if you are in that situation and you are in a situation where like you guys have a lot of entwined stuff and, you know, I think most people probably that's not just something you can sit down that day and sort. Right. Because things are very emotional and that kind of thing. But this isn't something you want to drag into court. There are people who mediate that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, I was going to say. And at the point where you're ready to start discussing it, if you aren't able to, even if you think you're able to, it's a good idea to get a mediator. So the next thing, you've now broken up with your ex-partner now. They are now your ex-partner. You did all the things right. You sat them down. You talked to them. You didn't point fingers. You told them the why, but didn't make it the who. Be ready for your ex to be upset. They may have some upset feelings about this. This is something that they might not be too happy about. They might. Yeah. So be okay with the fact that this person may have something not nice to say Obviously, it shouldn't be... Don't was, take shit, but...
1: I was going to say be okay with the fact that they might not be okay.
0: Yeah, like be okay with the fact that your partner, ex-partner, isn't okay. And if you have it in you, try to be as nice and supportive as about that as possible. So, if they're crying, don't mock them for crying. Um, if they're angry. Don't sit there and go into the like pointing fingers. Even if they go down that train, it's not worth it. Allow them to have that space, especially right after hearing it, to have those emotions. Sit back, be quiet for a few minutes, let them process.
1: And I think expect it, right? I mean, really?
0: Yeah. Go into this understanding that the reaction that your ex-partner is going to have is not going to probably be, oh, that's a great idea.
1: There's this skit that this guy does. I can't remember who it is who talks about, uh, you know, women who are giving guys blowjobs and then like they get to the end and like they look surprised when the guy says he's about to come and they don't know what to do. And it's like, we both knew where this was going. Like, yeah, it's you both know where the you know where this is going. When you when you decide to break up with your partner, you know, there's a lot of hurt feelings and stuff that are going along with that.
0: Yeah. So just be prepared for that. And as the breaker upper
1: as opposed to the breaker upper E? Yes. The break up E? The break E. Okay.
0: Go into this with the intention to be the better person. Cause they're probably not going to be in a place to be the better person. Right? So go into this like, even if they start to try to argue with me, I'm not gonna argue. Even if they say something that uh isn't particularly nice, I'm not gonna try to jump down them about it. Um go into this with they're going to be very upset. They're probably going to be grieving in some fashion or another, or angry or a combination of things. And that's OK. But you also are, are bringing to this to the table, this disappointment, this upset, this thing. So own that and take a little bit of responsibility for how that is going to play out.
1: All right. So I think that takes us through the doing the dumping.
0: Yeah. Now we're going to talk about if you're the dumpy.
1: OK, I am Yeah, let's do it.
0: (laughs) So, you're the person who got told that your relationship is (laughs) no longer going to be the expect the relationship that it was currently at. And you are probably feeling the feels. You're probably upset. You're probably all the things that we just mentioned just a minute ago. So, what you need to do first thing out the gate is don't open your mouth. Be quiet for a few minutes. And the reason why I'm saying this is because anything that comes out of your mouth is going to be a a reactive statement. It is. Even if it's fine, even if it's okay, fuck you. Yeah, most likely no matter what you say, it's not going to be exactly what you want to say. So take a minute, take a breather, count to 10 and hold off. Even if you don't want this relationship to end, if your partner just told you they no longer want to continue a relationship with you or that they want to change the relationship, this is a time to be quiet, sit back and listen. Hear what they have to say. Hear what their reasons are. Try to have understanding as to why this is happening. Take that time. And I'm saying this because it's really easy, as you just said, Rigel, to be like, well, fuck you, asshole. I don't want to be with you anymore either. You're awful in bed. Yeah. Like that is probably not the statements you want to say right now, even if that's the way that you feel. Like I have never enjoyed the way that you eat my pussy, asshole. Like it's not going to go well. So like take a minute and actually listen. Listen to what your partner has to say. And then from there, you don't want to beg, even if this is a relationship that you are not, that you're not wanting change or you're not wanting to end. Don't go into begging mode. You need to uh, stick by your guns. And the reason why I say this is because most of the time when we beg, begging looks like this. Please don't leave me. I will do anything to stay with you. What can I do? Oh my God. Like, I know I said I would never do X, Y, and Z, but you know what? I'll do it for you. I'll do it. I'll stay. I'll stay. I'll stay. And the reason why this is a problem is most of the time when we beg, as soon as we start to beg, that is when we cross our own boundaries. Mm -hmm. Maybe you get your partner to stay, but then you just committed to doing something that you shouldn't have. And even if you didn't, most likely this person just lost respect for you. You've probably sunken yourself low by begging. And there's a difference there than, for instance, saying, hey, I really don't want us to break up. Is there something we can do? Is there something that we can work out?
1: Yeah, there is a difference. But at the same time, I think that that difference is not going to happen that day. Like this is a conversation you need to not have. This goes back to not opening your mouth, but this is a conversation because I think it's legitimate to be like, hey, OK, well, you know, that thing that you just said is something I'm willing to work on or, hey, is there a way we can sort this out? But I don't think that the time to have that conversation is right then.
0: So what I suggest is perhaps say, you know, if they said, well, you know, the communication in our relationship is bad, is an example. Saying, OK, OK. I would like to work on that. I'd like to see improvement on that. How about we take a little time apart and you know, this is what I'd like to do. Can we talk about this in a day? Can we, you know, get back together or have another conversation around it? Make that suggestion and you know, perhaps your suggestion is our communications bad. We're going to start working through a, a communication book, or you know, our relationships having a lot of problems. Why don't we talk to a coach or or something like that? No matter, you know, give that suggestion, and then say, "Cool, can we reconvene and have another conversation?" Will you think on this? And you can let your partner know your disappointment and your upset about not wanting to break up, without blaming them like you're just giving up, you're this, you're that, you don't care about this relationship and pointing fingers. And you can also make that suggestion about giving things some time to digest because sometimes that's that's what a relationship needs and they may change their mind. That being said, you have to respect their decision. That might not be what happens. Give that space, make a decision to do that if they agree. If... Your now ex partner says no. I don't want to discuss this anymore. It's over. It's done. Accept that. The next thing for you to do, regardless of if that's a yes or a no, is go somewhere where you can be comfortable, where you can uh, you can lose it, <laughs> <laughs> right? Go somewhere where you can be upset and not have to deal with anybody else seeing it. Whether that's going back to your house or Maybe you have a have somebody that you can go and, and have a shoulder to cry on or whatever. But take yourself to an environment where you can process those emotions, whether it is we're gonna have a follow-up conversation tomorrow, or you know, my partner said, absolutely not, this is, or my ex-partner now said, absolutely not, this is done. Where you can go and process those feelings in a productive way versus being surrounded by strangers or being in an environment where you can't actually process. So find a space where you can do that, you know, some, some way away away from distractions and other things that might not allow you to do
1: so. And I'm just going to reiterate again, take some time before going back and having, you know, having those discussions with your ex or less entwined partner yeah.
0: All right. So you guys have successfully broken up or de-escalated or recategorized your relationship.
1: <laughs> Whatever Josh is going to make me say.
0: And you have, you have done all that. Um, and what's done has been done. So we're going to talk a bit about sort of the aftermath. And I know you said. Are we to the
1: aftermath? That, that is a serious word, man.
0: Well, because here's the thing. Um, anytime we change a relationship, it's difficult and it is hard. It is not something that is easy. And even if it goes particularly well, there's still a sense of loss, like regardless of the how or the what that becomes of a relationship, it's difficult. So there's a lot of dealing with emotions with that. And I think it's funny because a lot of people sometimes think that because folks are polyamorous somehow it's easier to have breakups
1: i don't think you get that from polyamorous people though i think you get that from monogamous you, people you get That's from one of those annoying ass myths that we've all had to deal with at some point in time
0: monogamous people or people new to poly i've i've seen really? a lot of people who are new to poly because when they're thinking about like their new partners like oh well I always have my wife or my husband to fall back on. Breakups won't be that hard because they just haven't learned yet. <laughs> but relationships are difficult. They're 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 regardless of if you have one relationship or you have ten, it is a loss of something. It is a it is a is a, it's a loss of a relationship.
1: Yeah. So you know Franklin from more than two, uh, who I know is a, a bit of an embattled figure right now, but he's he's got a good quote where he compares, you know, that that kind of attitude to being as insensitive as asking a mother whose child has just died. Like, you know, it can't be that hard, right? You you have, you know, two other children, so you're, you're fine.
0: Yeah. So this is a problem because like people aren't inexchangeable, right? Or not like commodities. And it doesn't matter how many people we have in our life. Once we lose somebody, that's a loss. And knowing that when it comes to relationships, is important. Whenever a relationship ends, it's it's a loss. It can feel like a death. It can feel like a death of something. Keeping that in mind is important.
1: As I said, that's something you're going to have to process. Absolutely. And then, you know, something else is you you never know how a breakup's going to go before it goes. Yeah. Like, I, yeah, that's something that's always kind of astounded me a little bit.
0: We've had partners that we've broken up with who, there was one who was like, okay. And that was, that was it. Like that was, that was the breakup. And then, you know, I've had partners where I was actually shocked at how upset they were about the breakup because of, for me, it was like, we haven't been together that long. And, you know, it didn't seem like that big of a thing. So you don't know a person who might be, you know, seems perfectly mature and reasonable and emotionally sound might lose their shit. Right, like, like you might have somebody who you're like, oh, this person's gonna be fine, lose their shit, and on the other hand, you might have somebody who um, maybe is a little more emotional or things like that, and it can be much more easier than you imagined. It could be like what I just said, where it's like, oh, you wanna change this relationship and you just wanna be fuck buddies, like, cool, great, uh, we sucked at being romantic partners, we can do that. That sounds good, like.
1: Yeah. And, you know, one thing to realize is that grief is is incredibly individual. This is, you know, something with where I'm coming from. I had to make a lot of death notifications with, with my last job. And, you know, when you first start doing it, it's something where you can kind of read into how like like everybody who starts has a tendency to read into how people react. Like, why are they reacting that way? Like, that's a little suspicious. Like, you think they'd be more emotional and blah, blah, blah. And then after you've been doing it a little while, you realize that like everybody processes grief completely differently and you just can't judge a book by its cover in that way. Right. And so, you know, it doesn't move through like, I know there's like the five stages of grief and, you know, and there's you know, and it's all bullshit, right? Like it's, it's grief looks different for everybody and how people process grief looks different for everybody. And, you know, you may not process, you're probably not going to process two different breakups even the same way. So,
0: yeah, you, your stages might be parts of those five or one of those five
1: or those
0: five in different orders.
1: We cycle back through them a couple times. Yeah,
0: it it really depends on the breakup, the person, the time, all kinds of things. Of course, the goal at the end of the day is to get to that like acceptance okay place, right? But it might not look the way you're expecting. You want to make sure that you're being kind to yourself because you may be surprised at your own emotions, right? You may be way more upset than you thought you were going to be. Maybe you're the breaker upper and you went into this situation thinking I'm good, I'm going to be great, and then a week later you're sobbing over watching puppies on YouTube. Like be 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 aware that your emotions might be different than you thought. Or you might have thought that you were going to be really really upset. And it's been a couple days and you're like.
1: Really? It's like that weight off (gasps) your shoulders. We've all had. I think we've all had at least one of those breakups.
0: And you've taken that. It's like, huh,
1: you know, actually. I cared about that person, but uh, good fucking riddance.
0: Yeah. Like, Like. this this is not a bad thing at all. Just be kind to yourself and recognize that your emotions may be all over the place. Many times, as I said before, the end of a relationship is kind of like a death and it can vary very dramatically from one experience to the other and yeah you can't really count on anything you can't really count on it to look anything like you thought it was going to be and the last thing that I wanted to touch on is not to do is if you just broke up with somebody it's probably not a good idea to go have breakup sex I did want to touch on that really yes yes we actually have an episode, uh, I don't know the
1: number of it, the but like... facetious.
0: Yeah. So we have an uh, episode, Sex with Your Ex. I actually have no problems with fucking your exes. The day you break up is not the time to do that.
1: That's when you wind up not broke up anymore.
0: That ends up being makeup sex, or it ends up being a regret. One or the other. It never <laughs> ends up being breakup sex. So do not have breakup Are sex. Are you speaking
1: from experience?
0: Yes. It is not a good idea the day that you break up to have breakup sex because if you're really, really breaking up and you know that's what you need to do and what you want to do, breakup sex will either turn into makeup sex and then maybe you wind up in a situation that you're back together and you're like two days later like this is not a relationship I really should be in or... Uh, You're like, oh, God, now I've got Bob because I'm going to keep using Bob as my example. Bob is in my bedroom and uh, has these expectations that uh, we're back together because he spent the night last night. And that's now like we're going to do this whole breakup thing two times over.
1: Okay, so that's dealing with the aftermath. So let's talk about some of the things that you can do, should do.
0: After breakup, you want to allow yourself some time to heal. And what I mean by that is like not ignoring your emotions. And just like we had mentioned earlier, it's okay for your ex to be not okay when you break up with them. It's okay for you to not be happy. It's okay for you to cry, let those tears flow, whatever it is that you need to do for your emotions, give yourself the time to do that. Most of the time when we end up ignoring our emotions, they tend to blow up later they end up being things that we put it off, we don't really deal with them. And then we're in the drive-thru at a McDonald's and they're taking too long and we end up screaming at somebody for no reason. So allow yourself that time to deal with those emotions. If you need to, you know, talk to somebody, talk to a friend, go for a walk and ball in, 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 in the woods, whatever it is, but give yourself that space to go through whatever kind of upset anger anything that you're doing. So, and, and do that whenever you need to, like, don't put off allowing yourself space to deal with those emotions.
1: Yeah. Which kind of goes with, you know, you don't want to stay in a rut forever, right? Like it's one of those things where, you know, you have a breakup and especially if this is a relationship that's, you know, been a big part of your life for a long time, you're going to be down and, you know, it's good to, as Cass said, give yourself the space let yourself experience those emotions, but at the same time, you don't want to live in those emotions forever. And at some point, wallowing in it becomes unhelpful, right? And a lot of times you're gonna have to actively make an effort to get yourself into a better space. And this gets into self-care. And, you know, self-care is a big topic. You know, we actually have like a whole week that we work with our clients, I think, on self-care. But, you know, just just briefly, you know, you should know, and this this is a good life skill. It's a good critical poly skill you should know what self-care tactics work for you and that's something that you should know in advance of needing them right so you should have kind of a go-to of these are things that i know work for me for self-care and there's lots of things different things work for different people you really have to try and experiment right but maybe for you it's getting out and hanging out with friends maybe it's exercising maybe it's meditating maybe it's whatever hobby right but maybe it's masturbating. Thank you. Okay. But whatever it is, right, whatever those things are, you're probably going to need to make an active thing to do that. And and in addition to that, I will say, I think, you know, just making that effort to get up and maybe even get out of the house, you know, maybe shower and put on some clothes and feel like a human, uh, you know, that's stuff you may have to force yourself to do, but it's stuff that eventually you're going to need to do.
0: And if you're recognizing that you are spending all of your time being upset and in a rut, it's good to like reflect and try to learn from ourselves in a relationship, from relationships, do that dissecting, but do it later.
1: Like an after action?
0: Yeah. Like when when you break out with somebody, it's not a bad thing to, to go back through and be like, okay, how did things go wrong? How did I contribute? Things like that. But maybe do that later.
1: I would say definitely do that much later. That is not something you're going to objectively do.
0: At the time. Yeah. So what I'm saying is it's okay to be like, why, why me? But don't actually try to figure out the why or the how of me at that time. Like, Decide that you're going to do that at a different time. Something that I have told folks, because we talk about folks who have gotten on calls and I've they've, they're Splitsville, is try doing a breakup depression fast. And what I mean by this is, so everybody knows what a fast is, right? It's where I'm allowed to eat from 4 a.m. to 4 p.m. each day.
1: It's time-restricted eating.
0: Time-restricted eating, yes. Time-restrict your dwelling. And what I'm saying is, is pick a time when you're by yourself and allow yourself to have those feelings like we were talking about. But if you find yourself staying there all the time, like actually give yourself a time frame. Be like, cool, from like 8.30 to 9.30, I'm going to ball my eyes out. But before 8.30 to 9.30, I'm going to spend time with my friends. I'm going to do the things I need to do. And then at 9.30, I'm going to take my shower. I'm going to get ready for bed. I'm going to make sure I have my clothes out for tomorrow and I'm going to do it. And the reason why I suggest this is because... It allows you to fall apart. It allows you to have that space, but it keeps you moving the rest of the time. And that's sort of like a commitment that you're making to yourself of, I will process those feelings. I will do that thing, but I'm also not going to let it rule my life.
1: Let's talk a little about space. Like we've kind of been like, okay, you don't need to necessarily like completely break it off with somebody, but how do you deal with that when you're not like when you decide, OK, this isn't somebody I just need to completely break ties with. How do you deal with that going forward?
0: Unlike traditional like monogamous relationships, I don't actually recommend people automatically like cutting off the limb and and splitting ways and not having any kind of contact at all. Right. In fact, in a lot of ways that can cause more resentfulness and more problems and drama than then what's necessary, right? So say we decide that we are doing something else or even we're just being friends and co-parents, it doesn't mean that like now I just can't ever talk to you again. So I I think a good determining factor of how to deal with that is first being honest with yourself. Do you need some space as far as days? Do you need some days to uh, blow off some steam, be angry,
1: The answer is probably yes.
0: The the answer is probably yes. Does your ex or your now different kind of partner, do they need space? And maybe they need more than you do, right? Like maybe they need less than you do. Go with the person who needs more. (laughs) Go with the person who, who needs more of that and be willing to give that space. And in these cases, a lot of times less is more. I'm not saying for a long period of time, but especially when you're first dealing with this, if you guys are going to start interacting, going to start trying to work on things, like do that in chunks. See how you handle being around each other. This might be a better idea to, we just had a breakup. We've had this really serious long relationship and we just took two weeks away from each other. Maybe the first time you guys hang out is sitting down and having coffee. Maybe it's, uh, you know, going for a walk at the park. It's not going to our friend's wedding where we're going to have to sit next to each other for the next eight hours. Um, So determining that and gradually letting that pick back up with each person's comfort level.
1: Okay. That makes sense.
0: You may not want to completely sever all ties because it's probably going to make things more difficult if that's what you have to do. Because if you've been with somebody for a long time, you guys probably run in the same social circles.
1: <laughs> um, well, I mean, the poly social circle is is the same social circle yeah. in most places, right? Um,
0: and if you guys are kinky, you might be part of the same kink community. Most likely you have mutual friends and acquaintances, etc. And that's not even getting into like if you share partners Or if you share
1: children. Or when you will wind up sharing partners in the future.
0: Yeah. So being able to get to a place where you can interact with that person and not have it be we're never seeing each other ever again is probably your goal.
1: So is there anything like anything else like that you like guidelines that you have with that? Because I do feel like I feel like that is something that like how do you figure out what your relationship looks like going forward? You know, like. We're, we're we're having this discussion about, well, um, you know, you don't, you can transition it. How do you actually go about that, though?
0: Transitioning a relationship? Yeah. There's a couple of steps. So once you guys have taken some time, you need to take the time, take the breather, actually have a conversation about the, well, the first conversation is what's not working? What has been broken, right? What is the thing that is the thing, the reason? Or the reasons that we're no no longer able to have this relationship be as it was. And from there, how can we change those things? If it's, we have bad communication because we're always arguing over how bills are being handled because we live together. Well, maybe we don't live together anymore. If we're having issues around our power exchange but other things are going great. Maybe that's something we decide to change. Having a conversation around, an honest conversation of what are the things that haven't been working? Without pointing fingers, without saying it's your fault, my fault, but an honest conversation of these are the things that aren't working and
1: what do I need and want going forward? You know, it's funny, I'm, I'm taken back here to, and this is something that I know we talk about in some of our emails, but, you know, your first business coach who the biggest lesson that you learned from her was every time that, you know, you talk to her, she'd be like, great, what did you do this last week that worked? And it's that same kind of thing, right? Like you figure out what has been working in your relationship, right? And those are the things that you want to keep where both people kind of know the relationship isn't working and you can sit down and have this discussion and like you don't have to have a we're breaking up discussion. But I think I think, you know, when it is that discussion, I don't think that's something that uh I, I don't think that's very ambiguous as to whether or not that's the discussion that you're having. And
0: if you're tuning in because you saw how to break up in this podcast, I'm probably
1: not there. Huh? You're
0: probably not there. But if you and your partner have been having difficulties and you both know it and you're both at a reasonable place to recognize that and deal with that that might be a very different conversation.
1: That's highly, I'd say it's highly unlikely. I mean, even in most cases, even if you just go to a partner, you're like, hey, this hasn't been working. We need a transition. Even if that's something that they've probably been on the same boat about, they still are probably going to need some time, I would think. Yeah. Yeah. So. It's
0: unlikely you and your partner are in the exact same place, feeling the same exact feels.
1: At the exact same same time. time. Yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, but that can be a conversation. What hasn't been working, what has been working, and from there, how do we want to make the choices in our relationship together?
1: Moving forward. Moving forward. Okay. So besides giving time, what else?
0: When you're thinking about your relationship, so this is more the way that you are processing and thinking about the people in your relationship, you don't want to necessarily just think about that person in a negative light, right? When we do this, it's one of those habits that we have, right? When we break up with somebody, we tend to...
1: Demonize them? Yes, that's the
0: word I'm looking for, demonize. Because it makes it easier. Yeah, because if you hate somebody, it's a lot easier than if you care about them, right? Like if you're like, oh, I love this person and...
1: Now they're not in my life anymore.
0: Yeah, but if you're like, oh, they were horrible. They were a bad partner. They did all these things. I knew when they... Didn't close the jar of peanut butter all the time that they were just a lousy partner, like Monster. yeah. When when we do that, it makes it easier, and it can for a short period of time make us feel better.
1: And then we like take that kind of stuff like to our social circle, which is bad. And then I feel like it's especially bad in the polyamory world because. Our social circle usually knows that other person as well. Like it's all an intertwined web of peoples.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And actually I have I plan to talk about that a little bit more a little further in because that is a huge thing when you're talking about breaking up, uncoupling, whatever word we're using for this. That's undyading. something- <laughs> undiading, untroupling, whatever the hell.
1: What is the word we were using? I was it disengaging? <laughs> No,
0: (laughs) we were, we had it set so that way when I was talking about things, don't confuse us. Let's just keep going. So, anyway, it makes it easier for us. And the thing is, is that it can actually be really helpful for us if we're able to look at the positive things in our relationship, because then we don't have to regret the time that we were in them. So, Although it might give us that short-term period of like, I feel better right now, when we talk to ourselves negatively about the relationships that we had and the time that we spent, we start to spiral into that, well, I wasted two years. I wasted four years on this person. And the truth is, if during that time you had a good relationship, you didn't waste that time. Just things changed. The situation changed. So rather than getting yourself stuck in this whole hole of regret over the time that you've wasted, air quotes, accepting the positive things can make it easier.
1: And I think the truth is that in most relationships, I mean, obviously there's some exceptions where people are abusive and they're damaging and that kind of thing. But for the most part, I think that when we come out of relationships, you know, even though it is hard, generally we have grown as people from that relationship. I mean, I can look back at every relationship that we've had and say that even the one really bad partner, there's still good things I took away from that relationship.
0: Yeah, that bad relationship, I learned metric existed. And that is something that is important to me in my life now.
1: I learned how to deal with a partner who has an addiction, which isn't a skill I want necessarily in the future, but it's not a bad one to have. So, you know, and to... Uh, Partner selection and getting to know your partners instead of just being like, hey, this person is cute. And next thing you know, they're half living with you. Like, take yeah. your time. Yeah. So
0: lessons learned. So trying to remember the good things out of those things can be a positive thing for you moving forward. And as you know, Rigel was just mentioning, especially, guys, especially if this is somebody you're gonna have to spend time around.
1: Which is probable.
0: Especially in the in the polyamorous well, that's community, what I meant. yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. That's what we're talking about, and you know, it is a small interwoven. Look, here's the thing, right? Like, you're going if, if you're in the community, you're going to see your exes again. You're probably there's a good chance that you're friends with somebody who's going to be sleeping with your ex in the future. Like, it's
0: hell. You might be sharing partners with your ex in the future. You might
1: be sharing partners with your ex now. Like.
0: These aren't people you necessarily want to make an enemy of, even if it is your own mental enemy. Like maybe you guys don't have like a real conflict, but you've now created this monster in your head. Now you've got to deal with this monster at every munch you go to and every party you go to or gathering of friends. And this is just talking about if the person is in your social circle. We're well, not even talking about if this person shares a child with you, if you guys co-parent. That can make that even more of a tender situation. So you want to get to a point where you don't hate your ex. So you want to remember those good things. You want to remember the positive things. One of the things that, you know, I have taken away from all of my partners is even if we couldn't be friends, and actually most of our partners we've been able to be friends with or are on some at kind least of- civil. Yeah.
1: Mostly friends, a couple civil, one that we don't talk to.
0: Yeah. With that, what I've learned is that most of the time you can walk away. It might not be immediately, but at some point being civil and friendly. Um, so yeah, remember the good things, celebrate the good things, don't regret the past.
1: And here's the thing, guys, when we're dating somebody, right, it's because there's something about that person that we like. Usually there's a lot of things about that person that we like. Usually there's a lot of compatibility there. And, you know, that doesn't change. Those things don't change just because all of a sudden we're not dating this person anymore. Right. And so you don't have to be friends with your exes, but usually exes can make good friends if you can get over the the hurt and.
0: I'm the pissed off person at you. Yeah.
1: Like, so guys, but just just remember that, right? Like, just because you guys wound up moving in a different direction. OK, unless they did something really fucked up to you. This is somebody who you had a lot of stuff that you liked about a lot of stuff that you had in common with. And if you want to be friends. Usually there's no good reason that you can't be. And as I said, is. Exes- Make good friends a lot of times.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of good potential stuff there. And the great thing about being polyamorous is that it is less likely that you're going to have partners who are like, why are you still friends with your ex-partner? That's more something you see in the muggle world, right? Where it's like, oh, you can't be friends with your exes. Well, yes, you can. So um, just keep that in mind. The people that you are no longer with are still the people that you Grew feelings for originally. All right. So I guess it's time to move into the things not to do. Okay. So the first one that I want to throw out there is a biggie. And this is one of those things, especially when we're hurt, maybe we're the person who got broken up with and we're feeling a little burned, we're feeling a little angry. And what do we do? We go out and automatically do the things that were in our agreements that we were not like that we weren't supposed to do. So maybe we had an agreement that I would not have unprotected sex with other partners or whatever. We have agreements in place. We break up this afternoon. This evening, I go out and I go on a fuck fest of no condom usage. Guys, don't Do this when you break up. I'm not saying wait forever, but give it a few days. Why? Because people get back together. If this is something that just happened, give yourself a little bit of breathing room to wait on things.
1: Yeah, guys. So, like, and, you know, I can hear the people asking, like, well, you know, it's, it's not morally wrong. Like you didn't break any agreements. You aren't with this person. You don't have agreements anymore. And I agree. It's not morally wrong. It's just dumb. Yeah. Right. Because, you know, everybody knows that a lot of people will break up and get back together. And that if that's the case, you just cause some major issues, you know, but just as importantly, even if you're not getting back together, if You've probably, you know, just burned a chance to be friendly with this person. Like, if you went out and blew your agreements as soon as you broke up, again, even though you aren't morally wrong, that's going to cause a lot of hard feelings for people. It's
0: going to feel like disrespect. It's going to feel like you're being spiteful.
1: Yeah, I was going to say vengeful. Um, so so keep that in mind, guys. And, you know, I, I'm going to throw one more thing in here, too. Sometimes when you break up, most of the time when you break up, there's agreements around breaking up. Don't blow those either. For the same reasons, right? If you're ever to get back together, well, you probably just screwed that up. And B, you know, you've probably blown a chance at being friendly. We had a partner years and years ago who we had a pretty amicable breakup. We had an agreement on breaking up. The agreement was basically, you know, we were we were all already going to the same play party that It was like that night or the next day. I don't. This We
0: broke up on a Wednesday night. It was on Friday night.
1: Yeah. So we all had a, had a, we're already scheduled to go to the same party. And so we all made an agreement that we wouldn't play with anybody. And actually Cassie and I even said we wouldn't play with each other because, you know, that was what was asked of us and nobody wanted to have hard feelings. Like it was too soon. It was too fresh. We'd been, you know, it was a pretty, actually that was way back when we were doing like kind of closed dating stuff. And it was, so it was a lot of stuff. And, uh, and the person went out and went to the party and played with people and that caused a lot of hurt feelings. And even though we're friendly now, it took a lot longer to get back to that point than it would have otherwise. So yeah, guys, keep any agreements that you make when you're breaking up hundred percent. Make sure you keep those and agreements that you had when you were together. You still probably wouldn't give it a couple of days. That's just the smart thing to do.
0: All right. So aside for going out and breaking your your rules automatically, or it's not really breaking them, but going and and doing those things, the other thing you don't want to do is go run your mouth about your ex. You know, like that is one thing that a lot of us do when we're hurt. We go out and we talk shit. We run our mouths and talk about how bad the person is, and Again, going back to this social circle, you're now in a situation where you're starting drama with all of your social circle. And one, that puts your social circle in that situation where they're now involved, which is not good. And going back to this idea of trying to be friends or trying to be friendly. Now that stuff is all out in the open. So maybe, just maybe, you should not just go and run and talk to people. It's good to have maybe like a close friend that you're going to for venting things like that or someone that's a shoulder to cry on, especially if you just had your heart broken. But don't go out and start shit talking your partner all over town. It's it's not going to play out well. And for Christ's sake, stay the fuck off social media. And I, I mean this, guys, like, I don't know where we started doing this, but every time I see this happen, I just want to smack myself up my, side my head. You do not need to change your relationship status on Facebook 30 seconds after you break up with your partner. You do not need to get on Facebook and type up a post that's...
1: See, oh I wasn't even thinking and, the relationship status thing. Yeah,
0: people do that. Like, literally, like, I have to go on Facebook, change my relationship status, and then post because my relationship status pings at the top of everything and go on and then explain why my relationship status on Facebook has changed.
1: Which is probably at that point going to be a pissed off and one sided post.
0: Perspective, yes. Yeah. So don't do that. Stay the fuck off social media for a little while.
1: And guys, you don't, I don't know if this is everybody, but you have people like me who despise that kind of drama on social media. And, like, would probably not seriously consider being friendly with you after that. Like, you know, like, I was raised to be kind of like, you know, like, family problems are kept kind of in-house. That's not necessarily the healthiest thing. Like, I think it's good for people to go out and have partners, like, or, you know, friends or things like that to vent to, talk to, put their feelings out, get advice from. But at the same time, putting stuff on social media is a level of drama that... Uh, honestly, for some of us, is just a complete no go. Like that would, I would, yeah, that would be it for me. Like, yeah, <laughs> you'd, and- you'd somebody would come back to me two days later, and be like, "Hey," so I was thinking about working stuff out, and I'd be like, "No, no, I'm good." Like,
0: <laughs> yeah, and I mean, the thing is, it's good to have friends or people that you're talking to for that therapeutic, like venting, or even to let know. Like, if you have a partner who is close to you and you just had a breakup, they might need to know because they might need to know what the hell's going on with you. Like, Why are you upset? What's going on? But not every single one of your 600 Facebook friends, which you know a good 125 of them don't even really know you, don't need to know about your breakup. And it's at best going to only cause issues with the person that you broke up with. At worst, it's going to make the people who care about both of you, because most likely if you've been with this person for a while, your friends also care about this person, you're going to put them in a very awkward situation where it's almost like they're having to pick sides on social media. So just don't do that.
1: Yeah. Okay.
0: Which then goes into that whole, picking sides and and things like that, which is the next point, which is don't tell your social circle how to interact with your ex. One thing that happens a lot, and it's a very unfortunate thing, is when we're hurt, we want the people in our lives to see our perspective and feel for us. And it's nice having those people to back us up. But a lot of times what happens is we start trying to force our friends to choose a side. And unfortunately, when that happens, usually the person who's doing that ends up being the loser, right? If I'm going around bad talking my ex-partner, also asking people not to be friends with my partner, being like, if you're friends with this person, you cannot be friends with me, most likely I'm going to be the one who's losing my friends, the person who asks people to choose is usually the one who loses. So don't do that. Let your friends make their own choices. Even if your ex-person is is not a great person, let them figure that out on their own. And maybe maybe just maybe your ex isn't actually a bad person. Maybe it
1: was just a bad
0: relationship. I'm not talking or maybe about Maybe
1: you're just pissed off right now.
0: Yeah. Let your friends make their own decisions and To be honest, you know, this person, even if you're hurt, your ex needs support too. Your ex is probably going through pain. They need friends. They need their social network just as much as you do. So don't try to push them out of their circles as well. And the last thing, guys, is as polyamorous folks, we date our friends a lot of times. We end up having potential partners in our friend groupings. If they see that when you break up with somebody, you try to push them out of the friend grouping and social grouping, that's going to make you look bad. That's going to make you look like a bad partner. And my kid likes to play all the like tall tale games, you know, like The Walking Dead. And whenever you make a decision, there's this little thing that pops up to the character that says, blank will remember this. Well, your social group will remember this. So how you treat your ex is going to be something that other people in your social network and your poly community and things like that are going to remember. So don't be a dick when it comes to that
1: sort of stuff. All right, guys. So that is a lot about how to break up, how to do the breakup, how to be the breakup E. But we also want to talk about how to help your partners through their breakups because we're all going to be in the situation where our partners are breaking up with somebody that they care about. And that's a difficult position to be in. And we want to be able to be supportive.
0: Yeah. So the big thing to keep in mind is it's hard to support anybody if you're not in a good place to give support. So we've all heard the like, you can't pour from an empty cup saying, right? So if you are going through a loss as well, so maybe you're in a triad, dyad, whatever kind of situation, or maybe it's you're losing your metamor. I've known many people who have gotten upset when their partners have broken up with somebody because they're like, this, this is my metamor and I love spending time with this person. So if you're in that place and you're upset, Take care of you first. Take care of your needs. Make sure that you're in a good place because you will do a better job of taking care of your partner going through this thing after you've taken care of you. So you've got yourself together. You know that you're in a good place. It's important to set your own boundaries as far as being a support system. This is something that we don't do very often. Quite often we're like, oh, someone's in need and we just give and give and give until we tap ourselves out. So you want to be really honest with yourself on how many spoons you have to dedicate to your partner's loss and grieving.
1: And then you need to communicate that as well, right? Like boundaries are no good if you don't communicate those boundaries to other people. So, you know, there may very well come a time where you have to go to your partner and be like, hey, look, I'm trying to help you, but- this is the support that I have to give you. Like this is your relationship that you're dealing with. It's not mine.
0: So what you can do is you can encourage your partner to have those good habits, the things that we've already talked about, the self-care. And really encourage them to do that. And and the reason why it's called self-care is because you're encouraging them to do the things for themselves that they need to do.
1: And chances are you've been with somebody a little while, you know what those things are that make them happy, make them healthy, make them feel grounded, right? And sometimes, especially when we're uh, in a funk, you know, we've been broken up with, we have things going on. It can be really hard to motivate ourselves to do those things. So you can help motivate them to do those things, right? You know, they need to get eat. You know, they need to get out of bed. You know, they need to take a shower. Like, you know, things that they can do to help. And guys, look, listen, you shouldn't be. We're all adults, right? You shouldn't be babysitting somebody, but you can help encourage them to do what they need to do.
0: Absolutely. And if you're noticing that your partner is not getting themselves going because they're feeling lousy, I suggest that you tell them to do a fear love gut check. And this is something that uh, Rachel Kratz wrote about. And I really like this approach. What it is, is when you're making a choice and you're, and you have fear What you're doing is is you're going to be making a choice based out of love versus fear. Like, I love doing this thing. This thing would be self-love versus I'm scared to do it. So have them look at that. And like An example of this is if your partner is wondering if they should stay at home, have some ice cream, watch TV, stay by themselves, and not make it out to that polyamory meetup that you guys had planned, encourage them to do this check-in maybe they have a need to slum around and comfort themselves. Like maybe that actually is a way that they're loving themselves. Or maybe it is when they check in, them hiding away and staying home because they think they're going to be lame because they just broke up. Or they are scared that they might have to explain that they just went through a breakup or things like that. That they're not going out and doing the things because they're fearing what that might be versus stepping up and doing the thing that would actually be loving themselves and taking care of themselves.
1: So something else you can do is offer positive distractions. Although I feel like this kind of, is this different from self-care? Do you think like from encouraging them to take care of themselves?
0: So positive distractions are things that you're coming up with that are fun versus self-care, which is things that they can do themselves. So self-care is eating taking a shower, indulging in hobbies, whereas offering positive distractions is like, hey, um, let's go out. Let's go shopping for the day. Or hey, why don't we go see that movie? We've been saying that we're going to go out and see that Marvel movie all the time. Why don't we actually go do that?
1: It could be pretty interconnected.
0: Yeah, it can be. But the more important thing is is you want to stay away from making things worse. A lot of times when our partners or our friends break up, we're like, all right, Bob, let's let's go out and get wasted or why don't we collect all of her stuff and burn it in the backyard? So don't do things that are going to lead to possibly more upset like adding alcohol in or more conflict like burning your ex's stuff in revenge. Be the person who's offering positive ideas, things that are 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 more on the side of forgetting those things and being a distraction versus maybe helping that person in the negative, helping that person to think more about their ex, maybe helping that person to be more depressed. You want to make sure that these distractions are things that aren't going to lead to negative things versus positive. So the next thing you want to do is just like if you're the person who broke up, you don't want to talk shit. Neither do you. I know it's really easy because you care and you love your partner and you want to be like, yeah, that that person did you wrong. They're a horrible person. You're
1: better off without them.
0: You're better off without them. Well, again, what if they get back together? Now you've just painted this person as a bad guy and now you're the bad guy. So stay away from that. You don't want to demonize the ex because that ex might not be an ex forever. Be more of a support and understanding of someone else's feeling and validation. The next thing you don't want to do is you also don't want to make your partner feel like they're a victim, right? Or that you think that they're a victim. And this comes from a place of caring, right? Because you're saying to your partner, oh, I care about you, you know, that person.
1: They took advantage of you. They took
0: advantage of you. How dare they? That sort of thing. And when you do that, that can also make your partner feel like, well, you're belittling me. Like you're belittling my choices. Whether it's saying things like, you never should have been with that person. They were a bad person from the beginning. Now you're almost saying that their choices of that partner was a mistake versus, you know, being comforting and saying, oh, this is you know, a shame that you guys broke up. I know that you hurt. Now you're almost blaming them for being with this person. So stay away from that. That can get really touchy and can often go in a way of now your partner's angry with you. You want to do the encouraging and the being there and being support, but you also want to make sure that you're not giving help that isn't asked for. It's really easy, especially with our partners, because we love them and we care about them. We want to hop in and be the savior, right? We want to be the hero. We want to take care of that person. But don't assume that you need to be the person to fix that. Some people need to just go off in their room, have some ice cream and cry by themselves. And you're not necessarily the person to determine what that person needs, that person is.
1: Some people like to process their stuff alone. I'm raising my hand here.
0: So, you know, back off. You can ask, ask what they really want, what they're okay with, if they really want your help and don't take offense if the answer is no, be okay with that. It can be really difficult to step off when we care about somebody, but sometimes the best thing we can do is let them have their time to grieve, let them have their time to process and in the way that they need. Something else that you may want to do is acknowledge that if you had a role in that breakup, that there might be some feelings that your partner has about that. So maybe the issues in your relationship cause that blow up in the other relationship that they had or challenges there. If that's the case, it doesn't mean beating yourself up. It doesn't mean wallowing in it, but acknowledging that you may have played a role and that you're partner may have feelings. So be understanding if they're angry or hurt, especially while they're grieving, they might seem more angry than they actually are at you for what happened. Um, but during that time, give a little generosity, a little understanding for if they have feelings about something that may you may have done or could have added to, like you weren't necessarily the reason for the breakup, but maybe you were a small piece of a very large explosion Acknowledge that. Try to be a little forgiving in that area and be patient with it when that happens.
1: I think the last thing is to know when you're not the right person to be offering support.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> so there's a couple of things.
1: I think, I think an easy one is, you know, we're not always... Well, I, I can give two examples. Number one, if this was a group relationship, you may be so emotionally yourself that you just don't have the spoons to give to offer support like you might be dealing with your own shit i think that would be one another one that i can think of pretty easily is if you really didn't like the other person and like you're you're having trouble doing that thing where you're not being snarky you're not talking shit and you're not like their shit bag you're better off without them kind of a thing you're probably not the right person what are some others
0: Uh, The last one that I was going to say is if you're still in a relationship with that other person.
1: Oh. Oh, yeah. No, I'd, I'd say that's not a maybe. That's a definitely.
0: We actually had a couple who came through our course, and they were originally a triad, and one of the dyads broke up, and the other one was still in a relationship with that person. And that person trying to comfort their spouse, who is no longer in a relationship with this person, did not go well because, of course, the spouse that had broken up with the partner was in that, you know, they're a bad person, I'm angry, I'm upset. And the other partner was talking that person up. And was kind of like, well, they're really not a bad person. It's really
1: probably your fault,
0: honestly.
1: (laughs) I'm not saying that's actually what happened, but I can see.
0: Yeah. So it just spirals. So maybe if you're still in that relationship with that other person. Not maybe. Well, no, maybe you can offer some support in, you know, okay, you feel upset. I'm giving you your space, that sort of thing. But you're probably not the person to comfort. You might be able to give some kind of support, but you're probably not going to be the comfort person or the venting person or the person that your partner can come to and and talk to and vent about.
1: I think you also just need to realize when you're out of spoons, right? Like, and we all we all know that point and trying to work past that isn't a great thing like. Your partner has other people they can lean on for help. They have friends, they have family, right? They have maybe other partners. You need to know when you don't have the spoons anymore and you need to communicate that effectively to your partner.
0: Also with the whole getting burnt out thing, like if you're getting burnt out and you're starting to then become judgy or criticizing of the person going through the pain. So this is, you know, what the fuck's wrong with you? Why aren't you over this person yet? you should have known better. Like, good God, why won't you shut the hell up? Like, if you find yourself in that position, that's a time to step away. Um, It's a, it's, you know, take that big step back and, and say, Hey, you know, I, I just don't have the ability to support you right now. And the last thing is if it's becoming your relationship, right? Your relationship is now the primary focus is helping your partner fix their other relationship that's a time to realize that you might not be the person to help your partner through this. You don't want to be your partner's therapist. Um, That's going to weigh on your relationship and is most likely going to make the two of you um, not connect in a partner level, but more in a you're my therapist that I'm going to level. And that can take a lot of strain on a relationship that can cause a lot of issues. So if you're seeing that that's what your relationship is starting to look like, it might be a time to suggest that your partner find someone else to talk to.
1: Two more things, guys. A, that, that list we just went through, by the way, that's not just if it's a partner of yours that breaks up. That's anybody in your circle. That's family, that friends. That That list applies regardless. That's the first thing. The second thing, you know, I do know that sometimes when you're talking to people who are breaking up, you have a book that you recommend. I wanted to give you space to do that.
0: Uncoupling is a really good book for couples to, to look at. And when they're breaking up, it's got a lot of really good information in it. And it's a really good book because it goes through how to break up and also dealing with things that come wow. after breakup, like dividing stuff, giving stuff back to your exes, all kinds of stuff like that. And it's actually a book that I tend to recommend to people when I talk to them on the phone and they're at that point of breaking up. And I say- I can't help you. I can't help you. (laughs) Yeah, this is where we're at. I do recommend this book. It's it's a really good in-depth, sort of helps you through your emotions and also the process of separating from somebody.
1: All right, guys. So a very in-depth podcast for you on how to go about breaking up. As poly folks, I don't know how long this is going to actually be once I set it down, but I it is without a doubt the longest, most thorough podcast that we've done to date. So it's really more like a guide than a podcast episode. Pretty impressive, if I say so myself. Given giving Cassie, Cassie claps here, because she's the one who did the the research and the putting together for this one. So I'm taking a bow. Yeah. So
0: So we hope you guys enjoyed it. We hope you find it helpful. I hope that many of you don't have to use this and that your relationships are thriving and are amazing. If you guys do need help with your relationships and don't want to get to this point, definitely take us up on a call. Talk with us. We look forward to speaking with you. If that's not the case, I hope you also are able to process and move forward in a positive way from your breakups.
1: All right, guys, we'll talk to you next time.
0: Thanks for listening to the Touch of Flavor podcast, where we're building relationships outside of the box. Got a question about kink, power exchange, or open relationships that you've been holding on to for years? This is the place to ask it. Submit your question at atouchofflavor.com slash ask, or leave us a voicemail at 833-ASK-TOF1.